I'm Mama Gargarian, and you're listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM. Pivoting to our second guest in this hour, um, Carmen de la Rosa, we are going to be talking about the Excluded Workers Fund. After undocumented essential workers led several protests, marches, rallies, and a hunger strike that lasted 23 days in an effort to raise awareness of their exclusion from governmental COVID-19 relief, their battle was won with $2.1 billion added to the New York State budget in early April for the creation of the Excluded Workers Fund. As many as 290,000 workers across New York State are estimated to benefit from this fund with payments as high as $15,600 and low as $3,200 per person. More than 200,000 of these workers um, estimated live in New York City. So that's really big for the city. And the Department of Labor says that both the application process and statewide distribution of benefits from the fund are scheduled to begin in August, but there's still a lot of confusion about what documents to aggregate and how people are going to get these documents. So here to talk about the fund and that confusion is New York State Assemblywoman and upcoming City Council member Carmen de la Rosa, who represents the 72nd District, which covers parts of what's the 72nd Assembly District, which covers parts of Hamilton Heights. Harlem, Inwood, and Washington Heights. Assemblywoman De La Rosa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you. Absolutely. So you've been a part of this Fund Excluded Workers effort since its beginning in July. Just quickly summarize the lead up um, for some of our listeners who aren't aware of this long struggle. So it's that lead up to, to you know, getting, getting the money in the budget. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this fight was born out of the needs that we saw in our communities. The bread lines were around the corner in many of our communities, communities that are made up of immigrant workers. And so we began to look at what other states were doing to make sure that that immigrants were taken care of. And the closest we had to anything that made sense was California. But we noticed that that fund left many out. So we began having conversations with advocate groups, with groups on the ground, with workers, um, with the Fiscal Policy Institute and many others to try and formulate um, something that would give workers dignity. And we came up with the Fund for Excluded Workers. We slept in front of Jeff Bezos' apartment um, downtown. We, uh, you know, blocked the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan Bridge. We rallied. We went to Albany. Well, I'm always in Albany, but we they went to <laughs> Albany. Um, the workers <laughs> went on strike for 23 days uh, to, to show just the urgency of what having this money um, in their pockets would mean for their families. And we were able to win the First in the Nation Fund, uh, $2.1 billion for workers. Um, never before seen, they'll be able to use this money to buy food, to pay back bills, a whole year and six months without any help from government, not the federal government, not a stimulus dollar, not unemployment. Government is supposed to include people, not exclude them, especially not because of lack of documentation. Right, absolutely. So tell me a little bit now about some details. Who is eligible to receive the money um, and talk about the two tier system? 
Sure. So uh, basically, we tried as much as possible to have the eligibility be as flexible as possible, because we know, as we discussed, that these workers are people who don't have access to all of the documentation that a normal worker would have. So who's eligible? Basically, you have to be able to prove that you're a current uh, resident of New York City and that you resided in New York City prior to March 27, 2020, which is basically when the pandemic started, and that you've lost wages or income because of the pandemic, either because you were unemployed, you had partial employment, or you lost your ability to work. Um, and so, or that you lost the main breadwinner in your family. Uh, if you're eligible, if you, you should have not been eligible for um, unemployment insurance or any COVID-related relief from the federal government, and you, sh- and you should not have earned more than $26,000 a year in the 12 months before this law is passed. And if you are eligible under those circumstances, then you'll receive two different types of funding, depending on the documents you're able to put together. One, which is the larger pot, is $15,600 check, which is equivalent to basically $300 a week in unemployment, you know, benefits for 52 weeks of the pandemic. And for that, you have to have had an ITIN number or provide a letter from an employer that shows the dates of work that fit into that category or um, provide at least six pay stubs or wage uh, statements. The second tier is kind of a catch-all for folks who may not have been able to uh, provide that level of documentation. And it's $3,200. It's equivalent to what the three federal stimulus checks would have um, been. And in addition to proving your residency and your identity, uh, the commissioner of labor in New York state is charged with creating a point system, sort of like when you go to the DMV and you have to prove different points in order to receive the benefit. So you have to prove who you are, where you live, where you worked in order to get this benefit. And can you talk about um, how much assistance uh, formerly incarcerated people will be able to receive uh, who among them are eligible and, and to what extent they were excluded from the excluded workers fund? Yeah, there's been a lot of conversation about that and some confusion, to be honest, even with me, I was even confused about this. But apparently there isn't any specific exclusion of formerly incarcerated people as long as they fit the same requirements that are laid out for for anyone else who wasn't incarcerated. Um, So as long as they lived in New York, as long as they uh, are able to prove that they, you know, have lost some some wages due to the pandemic, they will be able to qualify. Um, clearly, getting the documentation together is is going to be a challenge for many. We know that yesterday we rallied in from the in front of the Department of Labor because um, employers in New York are afraid to give letters stating that they've employed undocumented people in New York. Um, and so we know that there is a, a sort of a, a teachable moment here where we will be able to um, empower these communities by letting employers know exactly uh, what will happen in this process, that this information will not be shared with any other authorities, that they will not be risking their businesses, simply helping these families out. Uh, there was some fear during the political process, clearly, about um, incarcerated or formerly incarcerated people uh, being able to access the funds. You know, we push back on the notion that formerly incarcerated people are any less uh, dignified of this help, right? A lot of people have this narrative that when people are 
out of incarceration. They need assistance to find housing, to find jobs, to stay afloat so that they're not homeless um, in the street. And so this is part of, of that work to make sure that there is dignity for all New Yorkers in this recovery. And where can uh, people who think they might be eligible uh, go for more information, uh, their phone number, uh, website. Yes. Uh, so the can, Department uh, of about? Labor, the Department of Labor website will have all this information. Um, you know, you can Google the New York State Department of Labor. Also, there will be a specific website um, with the application. The application is not out yet. It will be out in August. Um, in a in a forthcoming date, we will be able to get, share that information. We want to make sure that people are not being scammed. You should not have to pay to have this application filled out. We know that immigrant communities are prone to scams. Uh, there are nonprofit organizations in this moment that the Department of Labor is um, funding so that they can have technical assistance in communities where people live and work so that they can uh, fill out the application for free. So no one should be charging to fill out these applications. And if they are, they should be reported um, to the State Department of Labor. Right. And um, I think on the DOL website that you just mentioned, there's 13 languages available, which is which is good. But it, it, it is a little sparse as far as information goes. So I know people can also go to fundexcludedworkers.org, I believe, for yes. some more detailed information about what documents they might need to collect. Although I believe that's only in English and Spanish. Um, but speaking of documents, just a last sort of comment on that, on what... Uh, problems people might expect to face with certain offices being closed and um, how they can best be ready. Um, yeah. Yes. So, you know, one of the things we did early on was that we had conversations with Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and other federal representatives to make sure that, for example, the IRS was processing uh, the I-10 applications. There was a delay because clearly people did not want to apply for an I-10 number under the Trump administration for fear that the information wasn't safe. So we've been able to work through some of the roadblocks. There's also, for example, IDNYC, which is um, uh, eligible proof of, doc- of, of identity. There has been delays in that. So we're also in communication with the mayor's office and the Office of Immigrant Affairs to try and make sure that people have access to these services so that they can prove who they are and and have access to these benefits. It doesn't work if people don't have access. Right. And so that has been a great priority for us. Absolutely. And uh, just one one quick question about this, and then we'll pivot to um, you as a politician, but um, or your role in your community, I could say. Uh, you've obviously been working uh, hand in hand with a lot of these excluded workers. Um, can you just tell us what, you know, the biggest things that people are going to be spending money on, spending this money on if they get it? Yeah, I mean, just the heartbreaking stories of people that haven't been able to, for example, on Christmas during Christmas time, give their children toys, right? Um, or birthdays pass and they can't buy their child a cake. Um, or, you know, having credit card debt because you're putting everything on a credit card and not being able to pay that debt back. People have a real fear in New York City of of losing their apartments and becoming unhoused. And so whatever money they were able to scrape together went towards rent so that they would not fear retaliation from a landlord or harassment from a landlord. So there are people who have literally seen no money and have gotten themselves into debt, borrowing money and doing other things in order to keep afloat. Um, not to mention the food insecurity that runs rampant in our communities. And so people just need, you know, 
in order to be able to catch up on the things they've not been able to do a medical, you know, medical care, right? Um, some things that we take for granted, access to healthcare, being able to go to a dentist, being able to pay a copayment um, for a physical. These are things that people uh, will have some money to have access to. And hey, all of us deserve to buy a new pair of shoes every once in a while, right? Like yes. it's about living in dignity in the in one of the richest cities in the world where billionaires are getting richer as our communities, you know, die. Good point. Right. And uh, before we have to go here in, a, in, in the next couple of minutes, I uh, just wanted to pivot to your um, upcoming uh, new job. Uh, you won election to the city council in the Democratic uh, primary on June 22nd. You'll be representing District 10 in northern Manhattan uh, that has been represented for a number of years by Idanis uh, Rodriguez. And, and now you'll be taking over that spot. Real quick, what do you consider to be your top priorities as you head toward uh, joining the council and uh, your, in particular, your thoughts on defund the police and the, the what we heard from your uh, soon to be colleague, uh, Rita Josephs. Yes. Rita's amazing. And, you know, I also hail from the Dominican Republic, which is a neighbor country to Haiti. And so I send my, my thoughts and my prayers and my condolences to the people of Haiti and my solidarity as well. Um, well, I represent a community that was recently rezoned. So anywhere you go, People are talking about the rezoning and the harms that the possible inward rezoning could bring to the community. So that's going to be um, task number one. The community board and local grassroots groups here have already put together sort of a blueprint to follow as to what a, a just rezoning looks like. So I'm looking forward to going back to the drawing table and making sure that if there are harms that we can undo from the rezoning that was just passed, that we look at that and, and claw back some of of the things that may cause additional displacement. Uh, Rita spoke very eloquently about education. I am a mom of a public school student. So making sure that our that our children are prepared to go back to school. And finally, you mentioned the defund. Um, I signed the DSA pledge to defund the police. Um, like Rita, I am raising an Afro-Latina child in New York City. Uh, I've been the victim of stop and frisk. My brothers have been the victims of stop and frisk. And so I know that in order for us to have safe communities, we have to make sure that people feel safe walking down the streets of their own communities. And we need to invest um, in the infrastructure of this community, in our youth, in jobs. My community is one that has had some of the highest unemployment rates historically. And so I look forward to building initiatives for workforce. I look forward to making sure that our youth have uh, safe places to go. Um, and that's where I want the investments going, going forward. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there. But uh, Councilmember-elect uh, Carmen De La Rosa, also Assemblywoman uh, Carmen De La Rosa, thank you so much for joining us on 99.5 FM this evening. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You bet.